the library was the first sharing economy <laughs> there was. Um, and it's such a beautiful thing. But when you're worried about a virus being transmitted by touch, uh, that was our primary concern, other than the, the concern about the safety of our staff. And those two things were linked for sure. Welcome to another edition of Good and Grounded, a podcast concept that was created in the middle of a global pandemic and is aimed at getting grounded in a specific issue that our Denver and Colorado communities are dealing with, and then highlighting a few ways that we can all do some good to help out. I'm Jim Licko, co-founder of the Denver-based digital marketing agency, Center Table. And I'm Laura Love, founder of Ground Floor Media and co-founder of Center Table with Jim. Gosh, over the past year, we've, I think, all found ways to keep our minds, keep our bodies busy. I think I've spent more time in walking meetings, and I've probably watched most of Netflix than I've ever imagined I would. I actually even started watching season one of the TV series 24, again, after first seeing it 20 years ago. I've seen friends pick up musical instruments that have absolutely zero musical talents, and I've seen friends start baking that probably at any point will most likely set their kitchen on fire. So that's why we're excited about this episode's guest who has a treasure trove of information, books, music, and hobbies among other items that are readily available to every single one of us. Welcome Denver City Librarian, Michelle Jeske. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now the Denver Library has 26 different locations throughout town, uh, throughout our city. It serves more than 4.4 million people annually, I should say, when there, aren't, there isn't a global pandemic going on. Um, and Michelle has been with the library for nearly 20 years now, working her way through a few web information, resource sharing, and technology-related positions before being appointed to her current role of the city librarian in 2015. She's previously held positions with the San Antonio Public Library and the New York City Public Library, and has plenty of hobbies of her own that likely keep her free time busy over the past year, including cooking, hiking, reading, I read somewhere fermenting and making mosaics, and spending time with her pets. Um, so before we get too far into the discussion about the Denver Library System, I, I love your diverse list of hobbies that I found online somewhere. Which activity has kept you the busiest in the past year, Michelle? I would say it was probably cooking. Because I'm home and I don't have the commute that I normally have, um, and because, well, for a long time, none of us were going out to eat, I've been, I think a lot of us have been cooking more. Yeah. And I would say reading probably not as much as normal. Um, like a lot of us, my job has been pretty all-consuming and, and pretty stressful, so reading's been a bit more challenging this year. Well, I, I would imagine many Denver residents are like me and that I have kind of a vague relationship with my neighborhood library. I know where it is. I kind of have a sense of what comes with my library card, but in reality, my understanding of the scope of my own library and my neighborhood and the Denver library system is probably you know, pretty limited. Can you give us some perspective um, on the value of the Denver library system and, and the scope and size of what you manage day to day? I'd love to, and you're not alone in that. Um, that's actually a challenge that public libraries across the country have. We all have this notion of what a public library is, and it's usually uh, based in our childhood. And the, the modern public library has really evolved a lot. Um, we're really lucky here in Denver. We have a very strong system. It's 130 years old, so one of the older institutions in town. Um, we have the 26 locations, like you mentioned, and um, so we're pretty well spread out. We also have three bookmobiles 
that provides service to the neighborhoods where we don't have adequate library service. And um, we are doing all of the kind of traditional service that, that you have in your head, um, providing books and movies and, and story times and those kinds of things. But we have for quite some period of time really taken um, the resources and the assets that the library has, which is the collections, the technology, the buildings, and honestly, the most important thing, the staff, and really um, started to provide a whole level of service that most people don't know about. Um, I thought I'd highlight a few of the programs that I yeah, please. am pretty yeah. sure you don't know about. Um, one is we have an online high school program. It's called Career Online High School, and it's for any Denver resident um, who has completed at least eighth grade and is at least 19 years of age. And they can earn an actual high school diploma, not a GED, but actually take the classes, pass the classes, and earn a diploma. Completely different kind of program is we have uh, what we call Idea Labs, uh, they're maker spaces. And those are places where people can make clothing, make a mu music video, create a business presentation, um, create a product prototype on a 3D printer, and a whole host of other things. So we have the, the tools that people need, um, whether they're um, you know, high-end Mac books with software to do you know, a, a video, or um, we have a studio where you, you can do what we're doing now. People create podcasts <laughs> in there. Um, we have um, a program where we work specifically with immigrants and refugees to welcome them and, and include them and offer them opportunities to work on their English language acquisition, to prepare for citizenship exams, to get access to immigration attorneys. And those programs are designed so that if they have kids, the kids can come and they are engaged in some high quality educational and fun activity, usually an art and craft kind of activity so that the parents can actually know that they don't have to be concerned about what's happening with their kids in the library while they're there. So those are just a few things that uh, most people probably aren't aware of. So I imagine you probably never thought you'd be in this position, managing this large of an organization in the middle of a pandemic. But I have to ask, I read your bio and I'm, I was fascinated by all of your graduate degree and your certificates and the boards, but you have your, and I will probably get this wrong, but I believe um, you have your master, master's in librarianship, right? The University of Washington? That's right. How, like growing up, how did you imagine that you would get a master's in this? I didn't. Did you ever? No, I didn't. I thought I was going to be a doctor, and then I realized there was blood involved, and so that, <laughs> that went by the wayside. And then once I got out of uh, my undergrad program, I had some fairly useless degrees and realized I probably need to go to grad school. And I thought I'd want to work in nonprofits, be a leader in some sort of nonprofit, probably sure. focused on the environment. So I got into a program at the University of Washington for public administration and just realized that the program wasn't for me. And I 
flipped through the old course catalog. Um, some of your listeners might remember pre-internet when you had to actually <laughs> flip through. And I thought, I'm paying out-of-state tuition. I need to find something else to do with my life. Uh, what in this book looks good? And literally, that was the only, and I had no idea that um, librarians had master's degrees or what it was like to be a librarian, but it was really the only thing in that catalog that was appealing to me. I think back on those on those course catalogs, and now that you say that, the importance of how the description of the classes were written is like, that's a lot of weight on the person writing those <laughs> to be able to say, you know, like for someone like you, like, how do I just choose what course or what direction I want to take my career? Well, it's based on a narrative that someone wrote in a course catalog. Right, exactly. <laughs> Obviously, COVID has taken its toll on everyone. Certainly you are no exception. Talk to me about those that are experiencing homeless. Certainly the libraries have become such a safe space for so many of our, um, you know, our fellow community members that live there. How have you sort of changed, if you have, your support system so your staff is equipped with the training or tools to address some of the needs of uh, maybe some of these most vulnerable patrons? Yeah, I, Denver Public Library is actually a leader in this area. We are one of the first libraries in the country to have a team of social workers and peer navigators. So those are people with lived experience to help support that population and to help support the rest of the organization. Um, so they and others have helped provide training on you know mental health first aid and trauma informed care and they have been out going to some of the new safe outdoor spaces that exist, um, going to encampments, uh, doing the kind of work that they were doing in the library, which is referring people to resources, connecting them, providing you know moral support and a whole host of other things, and actually even bringing out water and personal care kits. So we've been able to continue to do that. It's just been a little bit more difficult to find people, obviously. What are some of the tactical pivots that the library had to make? I mean, I imagine obviously shut down for a while and then there's probably a lot of considerations for shared materials, um, you know, multiple hands on multiple books and different mediums and things like that. What are some of the what are some of the big changes that have happened at the library over the past year? Yeah, like you said, we've we've all learned a lot and you know, what we knew about how this virus was transmitted then is very different than what we know now. And so our first concern was the touching of books, right? It's a, a we have two over 2 million shared items that you the public own. And there have been studies done around how long the virus lasts on different materials. And so the, the national final consideration for that was at the beginning to do four days. So we had to develop a system where you would be able to um, set up appointment times. And now, now we do walk up. You can walk up or drive up and we'll bring the stuff out or you can make an appointment. But at the beginning, we really focused on these appointments. So there were just like practical building logistical things we had to figure out and then there were technology things that we had to figure out so many factors playing into all of that my mind is like you know exploding with the logistics of how all of that works and then to your point how how knowledge and information has changed as well um to to modify how you treat that it's just um i'm i'm 
fascinated with how you guys have um, probably changed direction a hundred different times uh, over the past 10, 12 months. So, Michelle, if people wanted to get involved and help in some way, maybe it's through technology or other ways, how can they reach out and, you know, lend a hand? Uh, we're not really using volunteers at this point, um, just because of the concerns around the virus. We do normally have a very robust volunteer program, and we use a lot of volunteers in our community technology center at the Central Library. So in the future, if people are interested in that, once we kind of start to get out of this thing, that would be a great way for people to help. In the meantime, we are um, we have a partner in the Denver Public Library Friends Foundation. They're our 50C3 organization whose sole mission is to support the Denver Public Library through advocacy and fundraising. So they're always raising funds on our behalf. We are an independent agency of the city, and so we get most of our funding through the general fund of the city. But actually, most of the programs I've talked to you about that serve those most vulnerable populations, most of that programming is privately funded, either through foundations or individual donors. So that's probably the most uh, helpful thing that people could do right now would be to support the, the Denver Public Library Friends Foundation. And where do they go to do that? They can go to our website, denverlibrary.org, and then go down to the bottom, and there's a link to the Denver Public Library Friends Foundation. If anyone listening to this uh, episode um, wants to go and find out what might be available at the library or at their branch or otherwise, uh, I assume the website is probably the easiest resource? It's absolutely the easiest resource. We also have a very active social media, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Yep. And if you want to do anything else, I guess the other thing I would suggest, if, if this sounds valuable to you for the community or you're a user yourself, is just to let your elected officials know how important mm. the library is in our community. That's fantastic. It's denverlibrary.org is the Denver Public Library website. Um, and we certainly appreciate you coming on, Michelle, and, and sharing these little tidbits of knowledge. I, know, I knew going into this, there was going to be a ton of things that I was just like, I had no idea the library does that. And sure enough, here we are. So Good. I can't wait to see both of you and your families. Thank you so much for this opportunity. All right. In every Good and Grounded episode, we try and leave our listeners with one cool thing that we have experienced as human beings or we have experienced as part of our family. And I'll just share it because it seems sort of fitting for the episode on the Denver Public Library. But before the pandemic, our family ordered a little free library for the outside of our house. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Little Free Library, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, and it basically promotes neighborhood book exchanges. And they're little public bookcases that are outside like a mailbox outside your house. And we got one, it looks kind of like our white house and people walk by and put books in and our neighbors um, pull books out. So it's a fun way to meet our neighbors during a time where we're not having a lot of interactivity around our neighborhood. I love it. And I love, I love that they look like your house too. That's super cool. Yep, they're fun. That's awesome. Well, um, get out there, enjoy your libraries. And uh, while you're not enjoying your libraries, you can find us on goodandgrounded.com. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, go and check out some of our previous episodes and let's go and do some good in our communities. Mm -hmm.